You're listening to sermons from Crossroads Community Church. You can find out more information about Crossroads by visiting our website at crossroads.cc or by visiting us on Sunday mornings at 1420 Lakeside Drive in Yorktown, Virginia. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Wow, it feels like Christmas, doesn't it? Great. Awesome. Uh, also, what a, what a great set you guys built. Uh, thank you for, for all those that put that together for us, um, especially uh, the McDonald family, Laura here, and Daniel was playing guitar. Thank you guys for working so hard on that for us. I uh, also want to mention um, that we have, um, we have baptism next Sunday, um, and so it'll be at both services. So if you'd like to do that, take that step of baptism. Uh, just fill out, uh, I'll go on the app or website under events, you'll see a place there, baptism. Stop by guest services, you can do that too, but there's a form for you to fill out, so we'll know which service you're coming to and all the details about that. Let's also celebrate that we gave uh, Thanksgiving baskets, Thanksgiving turkeys, and all of the fixings to 45 families this week. Uh, great job, guys. So uh, thankful for that. Um, you guys always come through anytime we bring something up, so thanks for doing that. And let's dismiss our kids now. Uh, elementary age, kindergarten through fifth grade, they looked at me like they were scared. I forgot about them back there. I didn't. Um, and uh, hey, let's, let's also hear it for our kids' ministry team that serves on the weekend after Thanksgiving. Appreciate them doing that. All right, so uh, today we're finishing up our series, Battle Ready. I hope that you've enjoyed it. We've been looking at Ephesians chapter 6 together, uh, walking through all the different um, pieces of the armor of God and then applying them to our life and preparing for battle. Just in, um, just kind of in a thematic way, let's remember what the series is about. Uh, it'll be up on the screen for you. Number one, Let's remember that we are in a battle, okay? Sometimes we think that when we give our life to Jesus that uh, it's all lollipops and unicorns after that, and that's not the case. You have picked a fight with the enemy, and he's ready to battle against you and try to destroy your faith. Um, And I, I said last week, and I think this is important to say again, just remember that what is going on in your life is more spiritual than you think, okay? Remember that. So we're in a battle. Uh, we have a real spiritual enemy. It's the father of lies and all of his cronies, the devil. Uh, we, uh, we have to know how the enemy attacks us. And we talked about last week, this is good news because we have the playbook. Ephesians 6 tells us the different pieces of armor that we're supposed to put on, which then alerts us to the attacks and where the enemy actually attacks. So we have the playbook. And then we have to get battle ready by putting on God's armor. And that's what we've been doing together. All right, so let's read Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10 for the last time together in this series. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, we talked about last week, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So it talks today about the sword of the Spirit, and that's the message title today, The Sword of the Spirit. I brought a couple swords for us. I'm amazed every time you guys knew what the next uh, sermon was going to be about, and everybody says, hey, do you need a sword? And I'm like, yes. Do you need a shield? Yes. Uh, do you need a helmet? Yes. You guys have come through on all these things. But here's, a, here's one sword that somebody gave me. Uh, this person uh, received this sword at a retirement from their military uh, job. Uh, so pretty cool sword there. I'm going to be very careful putting it back in. I said, is it sharp? He said, yes. I said, okay, I will be careful. Uh, and then this sword might look familiar to you, to some of you as well. Ever seen this one? Uh, oh, the, yeah, the young adults know what it is. Um, uh, this is the master sword from the legend of Zelda. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if this one's sharp. I didn't ask, but I'm not going to try it out. But I thought it was pretty cool. So two really great swords. Thanks for you guys bringing those. We're going to talk about swords a little bit today, obviously. Um, now, what do we use the sword for? All right. Uh, what do we use the sword for? It says the sword of the spirit. Well, the sword uh, is defensive, right? It's a defensive weapon. I'm not going to take it back out the sheath, but it's a defensive weapon. If you've ever watched Aniga Montoya from uh, The Princess Bride, you know... You know, you use that sword, right? They use that sword to defend as they're fighting, as somebody's coming at them. So it's defensive, um, but it's also offensive as well. It is what we use to strike the enemy. Um, and so uh, the first thing I want you to know about the sword is that it's for close combat, and it's for striking the enemy. The sword is defensive and offensive. It's for close combat, and it's for striking. You ever watch Forge with Fire? Anybody ever watch that? Yeah, I love that show. Uh, blacksmithing, uh, bladesmithing, whatever you want to call it. The, uh, each of them d design and build um, a weapon, a blade. Uh, maybe it's a sword or a dagger. And uh, it's several contestants and they build it. And then uh, they put those designs and those swords to a test. They if you've ever watched it, they start beating it against block, right? Just hitting the block to see if it would bust up. Uh, and then uh, they take something big and they cut right through it. It's amazing. All kinds of different things. He just, the host will come out and just take the sword and just whoosh, like, right through like a, a big pig or something, you know, just like whoosh, cut it right in half with the sword. And the guy will always say, um, your sword, you know what he says? Will kill, Okay. Your sword will kill, which I always thought that meant your sword will kill, like K-I-L-L. -L. But that's not what it is. It's K-E-A-L, kill. Keep everyone alive. It's an acronym for keep everyone alive. So uh, the sword is used to, uh, for protection because it will keep you alive if you needed it for your protection. Now, a Roman sword, as Paul's looking at all the armor that a Roman uh, soldier would be wearing, he looks at a Roman sword, which doesn't look like either one of these two things. It would have actually been a lot smaller. Um, maybe eight, this is maybe 18 inches the blade would be. Um, so even closer combat, um, and extremely sharp on both sides. It's called a gladius. So more like a, a dagger. 
for the hand-to-hand combat that you would need. So it's defensive for that hand-to-hand combat where you're, you're blocking what the enemy's coming at you with, but it's also offensive because this is what you would use to strike the enemy down. So Paul's looking at a Roman soldier, looking at the armor of that Roman soldier, and he says, pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So first thing we need to see is that we need the Spirit. We don't pick up our sword and start running off without the Spirit, okay? We need the Spirit when we're handling the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. So if the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, let's look first at what the Word of God means, okay? Uh, so it is, if, if what Paul's saying here, it is, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, and the Word of God is then our weapon for close combat and striking down the enemy. Take up, he says, pick up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So if the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, then what is the Word of God? What is it, what is it actually mean? So let's start with that. Um, let's understand what it means. 2 Timothy 3.16, many of you have memorized that scripture. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, or rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So every word spoken by God is the word of God. That's this, okay? So every word is God-breathed, which means every word is from God, which if it's from God, that means every word that God speaks is then perfect. Amen? Right? So this is the perfect word of God. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. So when we read God's word, we find that it's not a dead book. It is very much alive, and it still speaks to us right where we are. It says that it's so sharp that it gets to the invisible things. It gets to the soul and the spirit. It gets to the thoughts and the attitudes. It gets beyond the thought, but to the intent of the thought. Why you were thinking about what you were thinking about. That's how deep God's word goes. It's God-breathed, and it's alive, and it's active, and it exposes. It's God's MRI machine. So three words for the word. So there are actually three words in Scripture, when we read the Scripture, where it says the Word of God, it's one of three words that's being used when we read it. And it's important for us to know which word God is using when he's talking about the word, word, and whatever we're reading, okay? So three different words. There's first is, you can write these down if you want, graphe, which is actually refers to the ink on the page, G-R-A-P-H-E, which is where we get the English word. Anyone want to guess? Graphics, graphics. Uh, so um, it actually refers to the very ink that's written on the page. This is not the word that Paul uses when he says the sword of the Spirit. There's a second word that's logos, which is the transforming message of God's word. It's the message of God's word. When we, this is where we get the word logic from. It's an understanding of God's message. If you've ever been reading God's word, reading the Bible, reading the graphe, the ink on the pages, and, um, or listening to a sermon or something, and it just comes alive for you, it, it, uh, it cuts you to the heart and soul, and then it transforms you and changes you forever. Has that ever happened to you? I hope so. 
you're supposed to say, yes, this happened to me. All right, yes, for sure. This is the logos. This is the message of God's word. It's the understanding. So we read the graphic, we read the ink on the pages, and then the ink on the pages come alive to us, and it cuts, it's sharp, it cuts to the heart and soul, the thoughts, it says, it, and it just completely lays us bare, and it changes us. It, it's a revelation. The message is a revelation. It goes from ink to understanding. And why is this ultimately important to us? Well, the Lagos is actually Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the Word, Lagos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the Word, Lagos, is, is Jesus. It became flesh and dwells among us. So anytime Jesus walks in the room, things change. <laughs> and so when we read God's Word, we are changed by it. Goodness, if you approach God's Word and it's just ink on the pages for you, pray to God and say, would you please make this alive for me? And it will. It will. It is alive. That's not the word that Paul uses when he talks about the sword of the Spirit either. It's the third word, rhema, which is the sayings or the words of God's word. It's the utterances. It's the, the spoken word. It's declaring God's word. If we're using the, the sword of the Spirit to defend against the enemy, to strike him down, we must then speak the word of God. We must utter it. We must declare it. Um, so we, we see the graphe, the ink on the pages, the, the message then becomes alive to us, the logos, and then the rhema is used to defend against the enemy, to strike him down. It's the spoken word of God. So what does this mean for us? It means we can, we can tuck a Bible under our arm. We can lay a Bible on our nightstand. We can put a, a Bible on our coffee table and still not have a sword. We can stand on the street and wave our Bible like this and still not have a sword. We can be a printer of a Bible. We can, we can be a person that works in a printing factory for Bibles and have thousands of Bibles crossed through our hands and still not have a sword because the sword of the Spirit is the spoken, spoken word of God. Does this make sense to you? Okay. So it becomes a sword, rhema. It becomes part of our daily armor when we actually speak it. Okay. So the sword of the spirit, Rhema, you can write this down, is for close combat with the enemy. So when the enemy comes after us, and oh, he will, by the way, if you haven't already noticed, when the enemy gets all up in your face, starts yelling in your face, gets in there for close combat. Anybody ever felt that before? The enemy's all up in your face. You have the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the rhema, the spoken Word of God, to defend against what the enemy's saying to you. It's for that close combat. It's like ping, 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 as you use your sword. And since you're within striking distance now, you take that sword and you strike back with the words of God, the sayings of God. So the sword of the Spirit, the rhema, is also for striking down the enemy. So when the enemy comes up to you, you pick up your sword. By the way, it's the only sword you have because it's the only sword you need. You pick up his sword, the spoken word. Let me just remind you that the devil loves to hear you say, well, I think. The, de the devil loves to hear us say, well, my opinion is. The devil loves to hear us say, all my friends say. The devil loves to hear us say, my daddy told me. The devil loves to hear us say, you know, Oprah says, 
He loves to hear us say that because he's no, he knows there's no power in that. There's no power in that. That sword is dull on both sides. But we have a tool. The Spirit of God gives us a tool, and it's the, the Word of God. And when the devil hears the rhema, the Word of God spoken, he runs from it. Okay? Let me give you an example. By the way, that's his kryptonite. If you ever wanted to know what the devil's kryptonite is, it is the spoken Word of God. Let me give you an example from the master as we kind of wrap this thing up. I was going to be short today. Is it okay for me to be short today? All right. Some of you are like, eh, okay, I know. Some of you are thumbs up. All right. Here's an example from the master. Matthew chapter 4. Uh, Jesus has just um, been baptized, um, and then he is led into uh, the wilderness and tempted by the devil. Okay, so it says, then Jesus, verse 1 of Matthew 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Okay, so basic need here, Jesus is hungry, and the devil meets him at the point of his need, at the point of his problem. That's where he comes after us. And he says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, aren't you the son of God? You're hungry. Why don't you just turn these, these stones in front of you into bread? And Jesus says in verse 4, it is written. It is written. So let me ask you this. If the living word needed to use the written word to deal with the enemy of the word, how much more do you and I, who have no written word, need to use his word against the enemy of the word? All right? We're not Jesus. All right? We're not better than Jesus. So if he needed to do it, we certainly do. He says, it is written. So here's this close combat we see with the devil all up in the face of Jesus. And Jesus pulls out the sword of the spirit. All right? It's defensive. He's like, get that mess out of here. It's offensive. He says, it is written. And Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8 to deal with the situation that he's currently dealing with. So Jesus is hungry. The devil says, I have a feeding program for you. Jesus goes into his computer, feeding program, feeding program, feeding program, feeding program, bing. He thinks of Deuteronomy chapter 8. And he quotes that. This is when Israel was... Uh, crossing over the, the wilderness themselves. They're hungry. They needed a feeding program. And so the Israelites are calling out to God uh, for something to eat. And God rains down from heaven cornflakes or manna, which means what is it? Manna means what is it? So it's raining down from heaven and providing the need that they, ha that they have in a supernatural way. And listen, the devil doesn't have that kind of power. So it was a legitimate need. There was a hunger need. Uh, there was a solution, or at least the enemy was giving a solution that wasn't the best solution. But then God, was also, God also has another solution, which is the best solution. And Jesus looks at both of those opportunities and he chooses the right one. He says, it is written. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And when the devil heard that, when he heard that it was what it was written, he, he couldn't handle that, and so he moved on to a whole other subject. All right? 
So the devil takes Jesus on the top of the temple and says to Jesus, jump off the temple. Because if you jump off the top of the temple, when you land on the ground like Spider-Man or Superman or Batman, everybody will know that you are the Messiah. So jump off. This is a test. Jesus answered, verse 7, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Satan says, test God. God says, don't test me. And Jesus says, this is what God said about what you're saying to me right now. It is written. And the devil couldn't handle that, and so he moved on to another subject, the third temptation. So the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the world and all of its glory. And he says to Jesus, I will give you all of this stuff. I will give you all the money, all the, all the fame, all the glory, all the power, all of this, Jesus, if you'll just do what I've wanted you to do all along and bend the knee and worship me. If you do that, Jesus, I'll give you the whole world. And Jesus said in verse 10, away from me, Satan, for it is, help me out, <laughs> written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Satan says, worship me. Jesus goes to the computer again. He Googles worship. Ba, 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 bing. Do not put anybody above the Lord your God. Worship him only. Serve him only. So Jesus doesn't just carry a Bible under his arm. He doesn't just study the Bible. He speaks. He opens his mouth and he speaks the word. He says what God said. And he told the devil, let me tell you again, what God says about what you're saying to me right now. That's the rhema of God. He spoke the word. Verse 11 says, Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. When he spoke the word of God, the devil, what? Left him, and angels came and attended to him. I hope that you get this. God plays baseball. Three strikes, you're out, okay? It is written, it is written, it is written. It is written, it is written, it is written. And the devil was gone. He couldn't handle it. He was gone. So we say, as the worship team comes, we say, why won't the devil just leave me alone? Because we don't ever say, it is written. It is written. He knows you're going to say, well, my neighbor said, my friend said, my mama said, my education said, that book said, my feelings said. We're not going to come to a place where we say, it is read, written, and he'll stay there. He's not afraid of that. He'll stay there with you all day long because he knows we won't use the one tool that we have to knock the enemy down, the spoken word of God. It is written. So the challenge of this message is to open the graphe, the ink, let the logos, the message of the word, transform you and change you, and then be prepared to speak the rhema word of God, the sword of the spirit. It's defensive. It's like, nope, 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 blocking all the time, but it's offensive as well, because when the enemy comes after us, we can strike his nasty behind down and all his cronies too, cut him right in half with the spoken word of God. Now I hope you see the power of the word. All right. So pick up the sword of the spirit. All right. A couple questions for you. Number one, do you have what you need? The sword of the spirit. Do you have it? Will you pick it up? Will you let it transform you? Will you speak it? Where do you find yourself in close combat with the enemy? 
say to him and his cronies, it is written. And then Paul ends, um, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul ends, it would be uh, negligent, I think, of me to not finish that last bit. Let me just turn to it real quick. So at the end of that, he says, so take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then verse 18, he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people because this is a battle that we're in. And the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy your faith, to steal it, to steal the faith of your children, uh, to steal the faith of other family members. He, w- he wants nothing more than that. And so he challenges us at the end of this is that we put on all of this armor, but at the same time, let's not forget to pray for each other. That this is the, the Lord's army it talks about. This is, the, this is the people, the Lord's people, the army of God rising up together and praying for one another, saying, look at how big this army is and you don't stand a chance against us. And so I challenge you all to pray for one another. We finish this series knowing that we're in a battle and pray for each of us as we put on the different armor, armors and pieces of armor that God gives us. But also remember that we need each other. We need to pray for each other. Um, the challenges that we face are probably very close to the same challenges you face. Uh, the enemy's game is, is similar in all of our lives, maybe in different, different angles, but it's similar all across the board. Let's pray for each other. Can we just stand and pray and uh, we'll just end this series with just a, a prayer of God's army rising together and showing the enemy that he can't stand against us when we stand in the strength of the Lord with our armor on, speaking the very word of God. Lord, we, we come to you, Lord, as your people, the Lord's people, and we stand with one another right now, knowing that we, we need each other in this battle. We need to pray for each other. The enemy is real. The things going on in our life are spiritual. And God, we stand against it. We stand in your strength, Lord. We stand together in your strength. We put on the armor of God. And God, help us when the enemy is all in our face that we will pick up the sword of the Spirit to defend and strike him down. That we'd come together and say, it is written. We will see his tactics. We will know his game plan. And we will come against him with the very word of God, with your spirit infused. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, as we close this morning, um, man, we're really shifting here. We're going to sing a Christmas song on our way out. Uh, So... uh, We're going to sing this together and then hope that you guys have a great rest of the weekend and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Crossroads Community Church. If this message was meaningful to your life, please let us know by sending an email to office at crossroads.cc. You can also watch our services live every Sunday at 9.30 and 11 a.m. or visit our campus in Yorktown, Virginia. If you would like to connect with us, fill out our Connect card by the link in our podcast description. We hope you have a blessed week, and we can't wait for you to listen again soon.